Hello, this is Adam. And this is Phil. And this is The Rules. The Rules is a podcast in which Adam and I discuss, brainstorm, and write stories which we then present in an episode. The stories we write are based on a writing prompt and a set of rules which we must follow. So Phil, I want to do something different. Um, I have some rules for you to follow while you write your story, but we will get to that in a moment. First, I want to describe how I got these rules. And to do that, I'm going to need the help of a friend. Okay. This is Kyle. My name is Kyle Anderson, and you know me from when we used to work together, Adam. But uh, right now I'm studying uh, engineering at UMB, just a student. So tell me, Kyle, how did we meet? Well, um, I actually don't remember the exact day, but I believe I moved to Fredericton and I was selling cell phones and I was alone for one day and then I wasn't alone the next. I'm pretty sure you, you, I met you my second day. And oh, you were alone was, for a it day. It was magical. Me. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was my first day there. I didn't know anybody and I was so alone for a whole day. We talked for a yeah, few moments a about bit, him but... moving here. And then I asked him if he recalls anything happening in the few months after we meet i'm pretty sure i just remember it being a blur i think me and you were the only two full-time workers at the time and we got to know each other pretty well but we were just swamped i'm pretty sure yeah i that that's what that's what i remember that's not a very like nice memory i suppose but no but it's a true memory so so (laughs) here's a break is your memory the same I described to him how I ended up in the cell industry, my meager beginnings in a more laid-back department, and suddenly being plunged into a very fast-paced sales position. I talk about how there were four great salespeople in the department and a few other people in training, but when I go in there, over the next few months leading up to when Kyle arrives, there's a few people going back to school, a few people leaving, a few people not enjoying the position, and then next thing you know... So then it was me, this guy who is hugely part-time, mm-hmm. and then the other full-time associate. So the week before you moved there, <laughs> I come in on a Sunday, and my manager calls me into the office and says, Adam, I need you to look at the new schedule. And I come in, and on the schedule, I am in every shift all day. And he says, does this work for you? <laughs> is, there a, is there an answer you can give me? <laughs> yeah. And I looked at it, and at first it was, I just said, oh yeah, that's fine. But then I noticed there's no one, it's just me. <laughs> and he says, well, we got to let you know that there's been an unfortunate incident, and we had to let the other person go due to a conflict of interest with the company. And then they say, don't worry, there's someone new coming in a week. <laughs> so just to clarify... You're the only person working there? For one week, I was the only person that was working in that department. So where we were working, you did a month of training. And then after one month, you did a test to see if you knew your stuff and you knew what you were doing. And then you started working. So in the department, we were selling cell phones. um, And it was highly complex because we weren't just selling one cell phone carrier. We were selling every cell phone carrier. So... You had to know a lot. You need to, had to know a lot of plans, a lot of phones, who carried what phones, who had what plans. And then on top of that, it's very technical when you activate a cell phone. So you needed to understand this very complex piece of software that is how you activated cell phones. Which, um, which has to do with uh, a person's credit, doesn't it? Yeah, you need to do a credit check on them and stuff. So it takes a very long time to learn all these systems. And when when they start you in the department, the people always say to you, you're going to have one month of training, after after which you'll be good to start 
doing stuff, but you will not fully understand this department until about six months, which proved to be true. Wow. So for one week, I was by myself. Okay, that, that adds to the gravity of the problem. So you would have, would have arrived around the middle, like the first couple weeks of September. Mm-hmm. Now, tell me, in the cell phone industry, what's a very important event that usually happens in September? Well, there are these things called children, and sometimes they go back to <laughs> sometimes they go back to school, and um, <laughs> increasingly becoming true, they require a cell phone at all ages. So, so yes, but there's something <laughs> even big bigger. Th- there's something even bigger than that. So there's one specific company that usually announces a product every September, and it's oh, always the same. I totally product. forgot about that the the iPhone launch today. We're going to introduce iPhone. Five. The iPhone 5. <laughs> that juggernaut of the cell industry. Now, I never worked a product launch like before, let alone an Apple product. Right so I had no idea what was about to come. Um, do I remember the iPhone 5 launch? Oh my god. Um, I think. <laughs> do I remember any. Any big sale day ever? Like, is it not just uh, a flight or flight response and then a fight or flight response? Um, was it just me and you and uh, the one other person that was kind of heavily part-time? I think it was pretty intense. It was. Yeah. So here's what happens. We know each other for a week and we kind of get to know each other. I remember talking about music like MF Doom, rap music, mm. random metal music, and just random things. Yeah. And then they announced that the iPhone's going to be released. And we, we automatically got busy because after they announce the iPhone, I guess you have two weeks where you do pre-orders. So the way that so the pre-orders work pre-order. is someone comes in and, and they pre-order the phone and they pre-order a specific size because the size costs a different amount of money. So the most popular, obviously, is the 16 gig. I think we had about 100 pre-orders for a 16 gigabyte. No, maybe not 100, but we had at least 50, let's say, pre-orders for a 16 gigabyte iPhone 5. And then you've got a smattering for a 32 gig. So you've got like 15 to 20. And then for a 64 gig, because it's so kind of over the top and expensive, you get a handful. I think I had two or something like that. Okay. So let's go back to me and Kyle for a moment. So Mm. cue iPhone launch day. So we get behind the counter and we have our team meeting and the manager tells us we have no iPhone 5. (laughs) (laughs) Except, except. I think 64 gig only. (laughs) Yeah. And we had so many 64 gigs. And we'd made appointments. We called people and said, iPhones are tomorrow. We scheduled appointments for people to come in and meet us to keep it all so like scheduled and like contained. But then we show up and the guy says, we have no of the, we don't have any of the iPhone fives except for just, we had so many 64 gigs. It was unbelievable. Was there some urgency in your manager's own or was it just like casual business meeting at the beginning of the day? It was jaded, jaded, pessimist manager kind of stuff like, well, as usual, everything is because <laughs> he he'd worked launch before and he knew it's like. So what happens is the managers say to us, these people that are coming in to get their 16 gigs, you can tell them we're so sorry, we don't have your phone like we promised. Mm. However, we can upgrade you <laughs> to a 64 gig and give you 50 bucks off if you want. And then we had to do something complicated to void that. And I didn't even know how that worked. No. So I just remember we stood behind at the two spots and people came in and lined up and we basically stood there for the rest of the day. That was pretty much how our job was for a month. 
because it, it was like so busy and so crazy and we were the only two it kind of like teepered at least for two weeks solid we would come in we would stand behind the counter we we would get lunch breaks like the first day was the worst for like no lunch breaks but usually like it was just us selling no breaks we we every you you couldn't call in sick you couldn't not come in any day because it was only us like if one of us wasn't there then the other was fine. anyways and it wow. went on and then and i kind of mentioned it but while this was going on of course they needed to train someone new but it takes a month to train someone new in the department and no one else in the store including our managers had any idea how to run the systems we were the only two so while we were also dealing with all of these customers, we had this person which we needed to train on our own. Really? Yeah, and it went. It was like a solid month. It was all of September and then somewhat into October that this went on until finally this we finished training this person and then we brought a fourth person in and started training them. And then it kind of, like the whole sales thing died down, but then we went right into Christmas, which was even more crazy. Would you believe me if I said that that iPhone 5 launch changed me as a person? Oh my goodness. Well, if if anything, you certainly got a scar or two, you know, me. <laughs> not sure if it was personality shattering, but it's certainly, certainly well, an experience. Maybe not personality, but it, it literally changed me as a person. Mm -hmm. So in two ways. So first of all, before that... So I described I how I viewed really, work and how it was never really perturbed by having to go into work or by being called into work or really having to sacrifice my free time. But... After having to work that month of just grueling hours and long days, six days a week, I slowly started to change and I dreaded going into work, which had never happened before. But that isn't even the key part. It actually changed the way that I learn. Really? Yeah. So I can summarize my childhood with basically three words, which is don't force it. Don't force it. My father said those words to us constantly, and it wasn't bad advice, but it left me with a paralyzing fear of technology and working with it because I was always afraid that if I forced something, if I tried to do something I didn't understand, I was going to break it. And so I had to figure out how to use the system and how to use their system. So then in the weeks following that, I had to keep like doing really weird stuff on the system. And I basically, I was so stressed. I just lost all apprehension for this feeling of I'm going to break something and just started going, I'm going to figure out how to do this. I'm you just going to press dive on in. Yeah. this and see if that works. And so what I've, what I've taken from that is that you remodeled the way you learn because you lost your fear of making horrible mistakes. Each time, each time you try something new, you did it with much more. Can I use the word disregard? Yeah, that that's fine. We're disregard to use. almost it, it, <laughs> the, the the way I would almost view it is the the way that I viewed the world was that everything was so fragile and that everything was very easy to break and that you needed to be careful and kind of tread lightly with everything. And it wasn't that I overcame my fear; it's that I had to just dive into that fear because I was using those systems, but I'd had it happen before where you would activate a phone wrong for a customer, and. Once you did that, it was usually pretty tricky to get it back to being working. Um, and then they're angry at you, obviously, because you're wasting their time and you're their salesperson. You're supposed to be competent. So it wasn't that I changed my fear. It's that I just had to like confront that fear and just be like, okay, I have got to try this. Just toss caution to the wind. But yeah, kind of, kind of disregarding it. You're right. 
that's a, that's a good attitude to adopt though like sort of this like fearless um you know not being i, I feel like a lot of people are scared of screwing up you know not necessarily yeah. breaking something but you know that that culture of like failure is not a good thing mm. but i think I think if you think about like a lot of successful people, you know, they, I think they cherish their failures because that's where you learn and stuff. So like to be able to just say, well, I'm going to click this button and if something terrible happens, like I'll know that something terrible happens. Yeah, exactly. um, button, anyways, right? so. Phil, that's the story. After a month of that, the person that we'd been training finally finished their training. Um, they were able to take a lot of the weight off our shoulders. We started training someone else. Me and Kyle had formed a strong friendship and I viewed technology completely differently. Um, I'd like to thank Kyle for helping me be able to tell that story to you. So with all that behind us, I want to go into quickly the rules that I have for you to write a story this week. So here they are. You must write a story about someone changing. Not like changing their clothes, but <laughs> changing. I want you to change your attitude, mister. Yeah, that's that. add that character in there. Okay. Mrs. Dorothy, I want you to call I'll him or her. I'll narrate in that voice as well. All right. Actually, no promises. Cut it. Cut that. <laughs> All right, two. You must write a story about someone going through a trial. Okay. And trial. Trial. Like a court, right? Sure. <laughs> However you want to interpret it. And three, you must write the story in third person. All right. What ideas do you have so far? Oh, absolutely none. Adam. <laughs> none. In fact, I quit the podcast. So what I might do with this, Adam, is I might try and apply it to myself. Okay. So one thing that you and I never do, I think it's because we like to be lighthearted and we're new at this, but we never write creative nonfiction. Creative nonfiction. Okay. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I've done some about myself, but that's about it. Yeah. I think I've, I, I can actually count. I've done it once. Okay. Um, I'm wondering if I can write a creative nonfiction piece about this. I'm not sure that I will, but I just wanted to add this clip in case I do. No, that'd be interesting. So a story about me changing. It is also a story about me going through a trial and it's in third person, which would be really interesting to write about oneself in third person would be weird. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That would be weird. Okay. I think I have an idea. Okay. When was the last time we did a fantasy themed one? Was it last week? <laughs> <laughs> so first um, idea, first idea is, um, Oh, let's just go for the biggest cliche of them all just to get this rolling. Okay. Okay. So, Someone that's not a hobbit. <laughs> okay. Is at home and a wizard shows up and says, let's go on a journey. And he's like, no way. And then a bunch of dwarves show up. I've seen that one before, man. <laughs> okay. That's Star Wars with hobbits. No, I believe but, the proper um, title is. I do like the idea of someone like, oh man, that's too bad. My mountain story, mountaintop story, stranded, yeah. is essentially this. Oh yeah, you should just show up with that story and just <laughs> you just like, add you just add a lot of banter and internal dialogue. Man, if this came if this came a week if this oh wait this episode does come after Stranded. I could write the second part. No, it doesn't. It comes weeks after Stranded. I know, but it comes after. Oh, after. Yeah, I'm sorry. 
yes it does you're right and i'm an idiot no 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 but i could write i could write the second part which i did verbally which is he goes into the bar and overcomes his fear of social anxiety and hangs out with those bro um barbarians who went all the way up the mountain just to get like you could do that you could keep going with that story that could be fun or if you wanted you could write a story in monith yeah i could write a story in monith it's nice because you don't need a lot of context for Monith. It's just that's a fantasy. It's just a fantasy world. Yeah. So that's one route I could go down is fantasy. Yeah. Another I could go down is um, something a little closer to home, closer to what we've been talking about. Yeah. Like a person loses their home. Right. And suddenly they have to live on the street or in a shelter. Mm, yes. However... I feel I feel conflicted writing about situations like that having never gone through it. Yeah. I don't want to misrepresent someone. It's better that they represent themselves. Right. So here's a here's an idea I thought of. So you could take one of the oldest fantasy clichés and turn it on its head. So the magic school, which we see in so many different fantasy novels, Harry Potter, the most prevalent I would say, Name of the Wind, which is one I love. There's a family that magic homeschools. <laughs> Oh my so they Lord. have their own breed of magic that they're teaching their kids. And then they say, we don't know what we're doing and we're going to send you to magic public school. Oh <laughs> and then word. these kids have to go to school. But it's magic. So it's the same story, but it's with dragons. Oh, man. The problem with being homeschooled was like you were a different type of almost worse than being a nerd in an outcast is just being like nothing like the most bland thing to show up in high in middle school yeah was you and i because we had no we had no style no friends no story nothing the great and awful thing about you giving me these rules adam these three rules yeah is they're so open-ended it's insanely easy slash hard to come up with the story yeah that's the thing And I didn't go with any genre or anything because I kind of wanted to see where you would go with it. Okay, Phil. So you start planning. um, Report back to me (laughs) at 0700 hours or whatever. I will. All right. So Phil's going to go right and we will be hearing his story in a little bit. Uh, In the meantime, I'd like to talk to you. Your mother and I are very disappointed. Just joking. But I'm sure she would be if you haven't liked our Facebook page yet. So if you haven't liked it, go like it right now. You can find it by searching for The Rules Podcast. And if you've already liked it, good job. Now, more importantly, if you have a different take on any of these prompts in us, we would love to hear them. Tweet them to us at The Rules Podcast. All right. Let's listen to what Phil's got. The bell rang loudly from the village center, announcing the beginning of the Rope Walkers tournament. Thunder cracked in the distant mountains, reinforcing the toll, and lightning flashed in the dark, foreboding clouds above. Upon each roof throughout the sprawl of houses, slim figures arose. Some were merely children, others adults, all brandishing a weapon. Rowan looked out from his own bedroom window, nervously, and considered backing out of the tournament before he embarrassed himself and the family. He climbed out the window, pulled his weight to the rooftop, and looked straight across to the town center. He could clearly see a dozen others looking around eagerly in the distance. From the window, 
a head and shoulders followed him out. Rowan looked down at his mother's smiling face with fondness. She had proven herself on the ropes many times before when he was a child, and had raised him to do the same. Don't worry about them. Find your feet, and then find your prey, she said. Well, at the very least, I won't be the first to fall, Rowan said. And we'll all be proud of you, she replied. Despite his mother's confidence in him, he doubted that today would end well, let alone with pride. Rowan had always been the smallest boy in the family. His older brothers had all taken after their father and served on the battlegrounds of whatever war or conquest the kingdom was playing a part in. But no brother had the balance or patience to be a rope walker. Finally, it was his time, he thought, and began to push out worries of failure and fear. You're a natural, don't be afraid, Rowan's mother called up, as if reading his mind. She always knew what he was feeling. The beams below his feet creaked with each step. Rowan looked down at his leather-bound feet and then towards the steel brace that held a tightened rope against the edge of the rooftop. He gulped loudly and peered over the edge. A crowd had gathered on the street, and faces peeked down of windows in neighboring houses. Bales of hay scattered the street to provide a softer landing for those who would fall. Rowan looked up towards the darkened sky and took three deep breaths, waiting for the final bell. The rain began as soon as the bell tolled. Rowan cautiously placed a foot onto the thick rope in front of him. Across the village, shadowy figures began perching and swaying on ropes with swords drawn. The rain increased, hiding each individual. A cheer arose from the crowd below, and in the distance, rapiers clashed. Rowan walked cautiously on the rope, from his home to the neighboring house, and he began to wonder why he had chosen to enter the tournament. Had he been part of a farming clan or a craftsman's family, would he have ended up trying to prove himself? He found his balance, hovering with one empty hand to his left, and his sword as a counterweight on his right. He put the thoughts of family and falling out of his mind and began his journey across the ropes. He reached the opposite side easily and looked for his next route. He slipped. His feet had slipped on the thick tile roof. He wondered if his first tournament would end before he had even met another soul on top of the village. He peeked down and decided that if he dropped, he would land safely in a pile of hay bales he had seen set up that afternoon. He breathed deep considering the fall. Watch your footing! Don't give up just yet! A voice rang out. Rowan looked back at his home and saw his mother looking across at him. His father stood just behind her, smoking his pipe. Rowan glared deep into the window and furrowed his brows. He had worked too hard to give up already. He pulled his way back onto the peak of the house and reached down to unravel the leather. Feet now bare, he climbed back up on the roof and headed towards the center of the village. He was more confident barefooted, but the rainfall had made it hard to see, and even harder to remain on the rope. He watched as a girl slipped from the rope and fell to the street below. The sound was muffled, but he could hear a cry and a thud. He shuddered and continued across the second rope. On the opposite side, a man stood on the rooftop with a hammer in one hand. Rowan knew the man. His name was Vinny. He was a legendary rope walker and had won the tournament three times before. Everyone said that Vinny had won because he worked on a sailing ship for many years, climbing the bows with ease for decades. 
Vinny watched him with amusement. Rowan paused, considering if he should retreat back to the previous house. Once again, he wondered if he should fall and get it all over with, rather than be embarrassed by the veteran fighter in front of him. This your first year, boy? Vinny called out. Rowan didn't reply. He paused on the rope, rain running down his face, distorting the man on the other side. You ought to make a decision before you slip, Vinny said. Rowan breathed deep and tensed his body. He had decided to continue once before, and now was no time to give up. Rowan knew now that he wouldn't go out without a fight. He crouched and then jumped into the air towards the man, using the slack of the rope to spring him abnormally high. Vinny's hammer swung close to Rowan's feet, but missed. Rowan found himself sliding along the top of the water-soaked roof towards the edge. Once he stood upright and found his footing, he looked back at Vinny, who twirled his hammer while walking low and quickly towards him. Rowan deflected the first and second swing of the hammer, but missed the counterattack. The hammer came a third time and caught his shoulder. He cried out in pain and dropped to his knee. In desperation, he swung his sword towards the old man's legs, but Vinny easily hopped the blade and retreated from the boy's wild parry. Get up for heaven's sakes, boy. Honor your family, Vinny said. Rowan stood, gritting his teeth and cursing quietly to himself. His left arm was hanging heavy to one side. He knew the old man had ruined his chances of winning any award, let alone climbing another rope in the rain. He finally felt defeated, and felt tears welling up in his eyes, partly from the pain and partly from the loss. Vinny looked delighted at the boy's grief and took a step forward. Rowan let his rapier drop and slide off the rooftop, as if he had given up, then prepared for his adversary's swing. As the hammer came close to pushing Rowan off center, as if to nudge him over the edge, he ducked and grabbed the man by the ankles. He swung all of his weight off the side of the rooftop and pulled as hard as he could, gasping as his arm went hot with pain. They both fell, with Rowan gripping the old man by the ankles all the way down to the street, where they landed close to a crowd of onlookers. When he caught his breath, Rowan looked through the rain-soaked straw at Vinny, who was lying close by on his back. The group of villagers looked down at them smiling, pointing. No doubt surprised to see Vinny on the ground so soon. Rowan too was surprised and let a grin creep across his face. He felt relief wash over him, as he realized he'd done it. He'd competed, and he'd not been the first to fall. He felt sure about his future, and he knew many tournaments awaited him. It's very nice to meet you, sir, Rowan said between breaths. A pleasure, Vinny replied. You're a sneak, you know that? He smiled, and Rowan let out a laugh. I barely made it two houses across, Rowan confessed to the old man, looking down with shame and discouragement wondering once again if he was cut out to be a rope walker. The house you pulled me down from? That was mine. You did just fine, kid, Vinny said, and gave Rowan a big wink before standing up to help the boy. All right, so Philip, you're done your story. How did you find writing it? So I had a lot of trouble with your prompt, frankly, which I think is something that can happen and will happen to either of us. So we tried for the first time to do a long format piece, and I found it very difficult to come up with a story outside of this room. 
Yeah. Like doing it as if it were like homework, writing a story on my own time was very difficult. I dabbled with the idea of writing a story about someone changing their life in a negative way. Right. But then I realized it's far more interesting. Well, not more interesting per se, but for a short story like we do, to go positive is just better sometimes. Yeah. It's nice to keep things, you know. Upbeat and happy. Upbeat and happy. Yeah. Um, however, I almost went in the in the direction of a person who is essentially a hermit within their own bedroom and not leaving that bedroom. It's a something I won't get into in Japanese culture. So what happens is I'm sitting there trying to think of how to take your prompts yeah. and write a fantasy story because like, that's really easy for me in a lot, in a lot of ways. I know what you mean. So I, I finally sat down and came up with this idea, which was the adventure ring, which is the idea that, um, do you remember playing runescape? Oh yeah. Of course oh, yeah. you do. On Caramon Island, was it? I don't know what it's called, but that sounds that sounds right. There, there's a tropical island that you were allowed to go to in free to play, but in the player in the um, pay for play side of the island, there was a like a tactical um, parkour type of course. Oh yeah, I remember that place. That was terrible. Yeah, it was like a dungeon where you had to like fight your way through all these puzzles and creatures. Train your agility level. Exactly. I wanted to write a story like that because it's sort of a fun idea. However, it didn't really stick. Like writing in a dungeon isn't that fun. But, but portions of it stuck. It but portions like. of yeah. that stuck. What stuck was this idea of a character who'd never tried something before trying it for the first time and discovering that is very appealing to them and that they're very good at it. Yeah. So they test themselves and they come out on top and they've changed because they found something that's for them. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's how I came up with rope walkers. Yeah. Which I, I love that idea, especially in a fantasy setting of a tournament and everyone's walking under ropes and everyone's fighting. I feel like, Having a hammer and doing that would be really difficult, though. Yeah, but this guy's like, he's seasoned, man. Vinny is pretty hardcore. Vinny for Mayor is the, is the second short story, which I've written fan fiction about your short story. <laughs> <laughs> really? What happens in your fan fiction? I really want to know. Oh, everyone dies. <laughs> it's a bloodbath. <laughs> All the ropes are almost sliced through, but not quite. <laughs> yeah, there's just a, there's a maniacal mastermind who's coming to town. And all, just all, the, ropes. all the bales of hay are now like bales of steel. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's steel. dark. That's actually my third short story, bales <laughs> of steel. It's so, actually about a personal trader that comes to town. <laughs> no, but let's let's talk about this story quickly. Okay, I'm going to ask you a question first before we really talk about it. Sure, yeah. I found that this was a very trying and difficult experience for whatever reason. Right. I didn't have writer's block per se, but it was a hard set of rules to follow. Yeah, I can see that for sure. Do you think that I lived up to the, your expectations? Yeah, because the thing about it is I didn't really have any expectations. Because the thing about this for me is with these specific prompts, there's already a story in my mind for what these prompts mean, which is the story that I already told. So I like I could think of another story, but automatically that's the story that's in my mind. So I was ready for anything. Fair and enough. I was... 
I was ecstatic. Like, I, I really enjoyed reading the story. I thought it was pretty cool. Awesome. That was a clever idea. Man, and uh, I know this won't come across in post, or rather, um, now that it's finally edited, it won't come across this way, but I had a heck of a time narrating it, too. Here's a little insight to the episode we just did. Adam and me, I, I narrated it, and while I was narrating it, I kept finding uh, things that went under the radar in the editing process, I'd start to read it out loud and we'd both just be like, no, that doesn't work. And (laughs) then we brainstorm out loud how to fix it. Like, well, Adam was looking at the monitor and I was staring at a tablet narrating this uh, piece. I don't know if this will stay or go in in your editing process. It'll stay. In fact, here's a little clip of it. For those... For those who would fall to provide... Switch it. Those of his scattered the street... Provide a soft landing for those who would fall. Thank you. Bales of hay scattered the street to provide a softer landing for those who would fall. So what that allowed us to do was have a new experience where we we spoke edits out loud. And that was actually really fascinating. Yeah. It made me fun. think differently about like like you said, having a conversation. Yeah. Because we really do a lot of the time. And that's why I think you're so passive aggressive when you're really not. Because <laughs> Well that's the thing, it's really hard because I'm just like saying ideas and I feel the same way like when you write stuff online and it's not like a passive aggressive thing like oh here's the right way to do it. But it just oh, but feels like it because it's just when you're new simple, like short sentences. you and I are both new to writing and editing. Oh yeah. We're oh, yeah. learning a lot, but one of the things we've definitely learned from one another I think you'll agree is like um how to accept criticism. Yeah. And sometimes it's really super hard. Yeah, it is. We should no we should talk about it for fun. We should talk about where this story could go. Cirque du Soleil comes to town and cleans up. They come in and they're on the high rises and they're walking the ropes and they're just beating everybody and Cirque du Soleil takes over the town. That could be good. the Frenchest town in all of the land. Is Cirque du Soleil French? Oh yeah, I I just realized the name. I mean, I'm positive that all of the actors in Cirque du Soleil are not Quebec. I'm pretty sure they're from all over the world, but still. Okay. Cirque du Soleil comes to town and they dominate. They dominate the my friend. Tournament. Um, I like the idea that you had. Well, it was sort of a collaborated idea where someone sabotages the whole tournament by <laughs> severing the ropes to a tiny bit to win. Maybe without the death that we, um, that we mentioned earlier, which is the terrible steel wool bales of hay it sucks so much there someone the smartest person in the tournament gets a saw and a bow and arrow goes on the roof cuts the ropes and just shoots people i didn't mention this but i totally thought this while i was writing it there's definitely a rule where if you cut cut a rope you're disqualified oh yeah that makes sense and if they suspect you've cut a rope you're also you can be disqualified you have to be very careful I just realized that the best weapon to have used in that would have been a spear because you could have used the spear to balance yourself as you were walking across. Oh man, I totally wrote it wrong. You're right. <laughs> Rather than a hammer, like a super heavy thing. No, the the hammer is a weird one. I, I didn't imagine it as a very like huge hammer. They all have very light weapons. Yeah. But you're right. Where like a, a spear or a pike would be an actual balance, balancing object. I knew while I was writing it, if he had his sword drawn, he'd be off balance. Yeah, I, you you wrote something to say that he's hovering the sword out one way and his hand out the other to like balance himself. Yeah, yeah. 
I assume they're quite good at it so they can do it anyway, but a spear would have been a great addition. Also, you can jab at someone, but I don't think you're allowed to kill anyone in these tournaments. <laughs> Too bad, because Rowan has a taste for blood after his bad family life. I think that's about all we have for that. Do you think so? All right. It was a good story, though, Phil. It was an interesting episode. I'm glad we did it. Yeah, that was a great experience. I'm glad that I got to try that out, especially like the one person tells one written story and one person tells one story from their life. That was a great experience for both of us. Yeah, it was interesting. Never again, though. (laughs) (laughs) Never again. Uh, Anyways, this week, this episode has been produced by me, Adam Gadong. And co-produced by me, Philip Hall. And if I feel up to it and there's music in this episode, the music was also done by me, Adam Ganong. Though, let's be honest, no no music. It took a month to get it this far. <laughs> oh, there'll be music. All right. Uh, thanks for listening, guys. If you had any different ideas on these prompts than us, by all means, uh, tweet your ideas to us. Or if you have written a story based on these prompts, we would love to read them. Please email it to us at therulespodcast at gmail.com.